my name is Katie and this is Harper and we are going to do the Bible reading tonight. It comes from Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Katie and Harper. Well, hello again, and um, thank you for being here. And again, thank you for allowing me to bring you God's Word. Um, I always consider it to be um, an honour and a privilege to do that. So, as usual, this thing's not going to work, so I think I'll scrap it. Right, here we go. Alrighty, so tonight we're going to be continuing our series from Matthew, and uh, in particular this evening, um, we're going to be focusing on something which I think most of us will be able to relate to, and uh, we're called to not be anxious. And as we look at this passage, we need to realise that Jesus is building on what he has just said before. So in this previous section of Scripture which we've covered over the last few weeks, he's called those listening and all of us who've read this word to make a choice. He's told us to think carefully about the options that are before us. All of us, in one way or another, will accumulate treasure. But will we decide to make that the type of treasure that lasts or will we be satisfied with worldly treasures which will ultimately perish? We choose between laying up treasure on earth or laying up treasure in heaven. He's also made us aware that our eyes are the conduit which feeds our innermost being. And he asks us if our eye is good. And the logical conclusion is, if our eye is good, if we are careful with what we focus on, what we watch, and if all of that is feeding our inner man with good things, then we will build our faith and a relationship with Jesus. The opposite is where we watch and focus on things which fill our body with darkness. And finally, Jesus asked, who are you going to serve, God or things? Which will be the more worthy master? And Jesus states, no one can serve two masters. It will be either one or the other. So we have two treasures, one corruptible, one incorruptible. Two eye conditions, one bringing light, one bringing darkness. Two masters, one who seeks the best for us, one who will lead us to eternal destruction. 
If we choose wisely, then we won't have any reason to be anxious. And Jesus tells us why in the passage that we've just read this evening. Let's pause and pray. Father God, again, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I want to thank you that each of us holds that word in our hands. We have ready access to it, Lord. Tonight, I pray the truth of your word will be revealed, that we will be challenged by it, transformed, changed, and drawn closer to you. Take this time, Lord, and use it for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As the passage was read this evening, I'm not sure if you picked up that Jesus says, do not be anxious three times in those few short verses. He says, says it one at each in verses 25, 31 and 34. In verses 25 and 31, he's arguing that being anxious is incompatible with the Christian faith. But he also argues that it's incompatible with common sense in verse 34. And although you may not agree, when reading this passage, it appears that being anxious or worrying is a choice. And so we choose either God or worry. If I've decided to choose God as my master, Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, then part of that choosing is to place my value, my worth, my security in Him and the things of heaven. If that is the case then who or how will my daily needs be taken care of? It's a valid question for many. And verse 25 was, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And what we need to realise is that as we read this, it's a command of Jesus. Many of us won't be too comfortable with that, but Jesus is commanding us not to be anxious, or if you prefer, he's calling us not to worry. So many of us are in the habit of expressing that we're anxious. So many of us are in the habit of expressing that we're worried. And in a new way, it's done in such a way that it appears that it's actually okay to do that. And, and if we don't express that, it would appear heartless not to particularly in certain situations. And it's interesting that the word translated anxious in the ESV or worry in the NIV is used elsewhere to express an appropriate response or action in a positive case, in a positive light. And so in 1 Corinthians 7.32, it speaks of the single man being anxious about the things of the Lord and how he should please God. In Philippians 2.20, where the same Greek word is translated concern, it speaks about being concerned for someone's welfare. So anxiety, worry or concern is not necessarily wrong. The issue arises when we're worried or anxious about things which show a lack of trust in our God. Look at the last part of verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And this is a rhetorical question. The answer is blatantly obvious. We don't need to provide, our, provide that answer. Of course, life is more important than food and clothing. If it is our God who numbers our days, if it is our God who knows our beginning from our end, who gives us our very lives, then won't he provide all I need to maintain that life, the life which he has given me? For many of those hearing Jesus speak, they're poor. 
They have experienced poverty. They know what it's like to live hand to mouth and they are concerned constantly about where they're going to get the next meal from, where the next arms will come from. And they struggle from day to day in order just to survive. And if they looked forward to whatever tomorrow was going to bring, it is most likely they would have been thinking about where the next meal was coming from. That would have been it. And Jesus' challenge to them is totally radical, so much more radical than his challenge to us. Their struggle is real. But Jesus forces them to admit that as much as they need food and clothing, as much as they don't know where that food and clothing is going to come from, their lives are more important. The need for food and clothing is secondary to their very lives. These people were living each day anxious, worried, concerned about how they can provide for their families and Jesus challenges them to put that aside and to trust God for all that they need. Why would he do that? He says that God cares for us and this is something that all believers should be aware of and claim. It's a reminder that God is both able and willing to care for those who trust him. He says, look at the birds of the air. Hello, Houston. We'll see what happens with that. Matthew 6.26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you, are you not of more value than they? Jesus turns to nature, to the creation, to emphasize the care of God for humanity. The birds of the air are carefree in planting their food. They don't plant crops, they don't harvest, they don't have huge storehouses in which they can draw from. And yet they have enough. They have plenty for themselves, they have plenty for themselves and for their young. And he moves on and he speaks about the plants in 28 and 29. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The need for clothing is not as urgent as the need for food, but is still a high priority. And Jesus says, learn from the flowers. The lilies spoken of here are wildflowers. They're not cultivated by man. They're just growing out in the fields. They do not toil, they do not spin, and yet their beauty rivals Solomon in all his resplendent clothing. His clothes, for all their finery, do not compare to these flowers. And I want to ask you, do you understand the significance of these verses? It isn't just that we are commanded to not be worrying or anxious, but we are given the reasons why we shouldn't worry. God cares for us. These are not just words. God demonstrates his willingness and ability to care for us throughout Scripture. And here it is, one of the how much more responses. Jesus is saying that if God provides for the birds of the air, if he clothes grass so beautifully, which is here momentarily, then gathered up and burnt tomorrow, how much more, how much more is he willing to clothe those that he calls his children. He values and cherishes humanity. We are made in his image. 
He sent Jesus to die for us. He did all of that. And if he did all of that, then he is able and more willing to provide for our needs. I believe in the middle of this, there is a call to think about the futility of being anxious or worried too. Verse 27 says, And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And Jesus is speaking about the folly of worry here. He's saying, what is the benefit of your worry? What does it actually achieve for you? And there are some differences in the translation here, and either of them actually work for me. Um, But it's quite interesting to read it. But another translation actually says, which of you being anxious can actually add a cubit to your height, to your stature? Be a pretty neat trick to have. I'm sure my wife would like that if she could just add an extra few inches to her height. But who, who can possibly add a cubit to their stature or who can add a single hour to their span of life? And the bottom line is no one can. We don't lengthen our days of life and neither can we grow ourselves taller. Bottom line, worry is futile. I want you to think about Peter. I actually love Peter. But he's a man who worried about many things. When he walked on the water, he became worried uh, and feared the waters that they would actually overwhelm him and cause him to sink and drown. When he was approached by the temple leaders and asked about paying taxes, he was worried that perhaps Jesus wouldn't actually pay that tax and he wasn't sure how he should respond and how that problem would actually be solved. He, like the other disciples, worried that he might be the one who betrayed Jesus when he was sitting in the upper room and Jesus said one of them would do exactly that. He became worried when Jesus said to him that he would suffer and be crucified and die because it wasn't what he wanted. And yet something changes in Peter's life. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And this is a powerful verse as it is written, but again, a little bit is lost in translation. What is translated casting all here is a word that signifies a definite act of will. It's a choice. It's a choice to stop worrying about things and to let God take full responsibility for our well-being. It's saying, it's not me, Lord, it's you and it's on you. I leave it all in your hands. And the last bit translated, he cares for you, literally means God is mindful of you. He is mindful of you and your needs. This verse calls us to stop worrying because God's got you and he knows everything that you could possibly need and he alone is willing to supply all of those needs for you. God is thinking about you constantly. The Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for us now, even as I speak. And he knows everything that we could possibly need. And he alone is willing to supply those needs. He will not fail to provide for you. He is constantly present. It's what is said here and in many other places of Scripture. And I want to emphasize again, it's about choices and it's about priorities. It's so easy for us to mess up priorities. 
Jesus has addressed our anxiety over basic things when it's obvious that God can and will take care of us. Now he calls us to shift our focus to what really matters. And in 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Our first priority, above everything and everyone else, is to seek the kingdom of God. When Jesus says to seek here, he's not calling us to look for something that is not present. He's not calling us to find something that's difficult to find. Even for his disciples, he had already announced that the kingdom of God had come. This is about making God and his kingdom the very center of our daily priorities. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking that God's will and word be obeyed perfectly just as it is in heaven and we are submitting to obey in like manner. We are asking that God be honored, that God be worshipped, that God be glorified here on earth just as he is in heaven. And we're submitting and committing to do exactly that. Jesus is calling here for his followers to be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's a tough call. We've covered it before. And it's a call for us to fulfill the individual call and purpose God has for each and every one of us. We have been created for a reason with our gifts, our talents. And our abilities. Each of us, individuals, unique, created for a purpose that God has already planned for us. And our lives as followers of Jesus are to be a constant pursuit of God being made more and more like his son each and every day. Not because of what we do, but because of his transformational power working in us as we submit more and more to him every moment of every day. When we pursue God's kingdom and his righteousness, when we make that our priority, then God, our ever-loving, ever-caring, ever-watching Heavenly Father, will supply all our needs and so much more. And so he calls us to worry no more. Awesome little phrase, isn't it? Just go and do that, guys. Let's close in prayer. No problem, say. You've got it? I think, I think if we could do this, it would be absolutely awesome. All will be well if we could actually do that. And uh, if you could just go from here and say, yep, I'm not going to worry anymore. But the reality is we do. But Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We see another therefore here at the start of this. And if we choose to seek God's kingdom, then we are told not to worry. When God orders our lives, when we are obedient to him, he will provide for our daily needs and our care. When we learn to rely on God's care for our present needs, it develops our trust in him for the future. We're called not to be anxious for tomorrow. And we're told... Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I'm sure the vast majority of us sitting here would agree with that. Both are the same basic truth. It doesn't matter how much we worry about the problems of today or tomorrow, we can do absolutely nothing to change them. So do we worry? Or do we trust that God will care for us? Do we trust God 
for our next breath? Can we trust God for today, for what's left of today? I think we can. When we pray in Matthew 6.11, give us this day our daily bread. We're only asking him for enough for today. Nothing more. And when we pray this, is it really a declaration or an expression of our trust in God being able to provide our needs? Is it an expression of our security as sons and daughters of the Most High God? He gives us his life so he will provide for us. Do we believe that? We have all heard that wonderful expression, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And this may be one of those cliches that we don't subscribe to, but as followers of Jesus, we can truly say that we don't know what tomorrow brings, but our Father does. And because he loves me, if I trust him with my future, he will provide everything I need to face whatever comes tomorrow. I really don't know what is going to come tomorrow, but if I trust him, he will empower and equip me for everything that I need. If we can live like that, we really have nothing to worry about. I know that many of us are worried about many things. It seems the right thing to do, especially when you're expressing genuine concern and wanting to do the right thing. But have you thought about the fact that worry can be an idol? An idol is anything that takes the rightful place of God. Just think about that. And remember that verse that I shared earlier from 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God calls me to cast all my anxiety, all my worry on him because he knows my need. And he alone is willing to supply those needs. But we so often take our eyes off him. We replace the strength, the power, the provision and the guidance of our loving Heavenly Father with despair, with hopelessness, with fear, with worry. And we attempt to control everything that is going on with our own strength and efforts. And worry and anxiety can be all-consuming. Warren Worsby once said, or Weresby once said, it is often said that we are continually being crucified between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. When we fail to give our worries or anxiety to Jesus, it's natural for us to focus on those things, the regrets of yesterday and that which is coming tomorrow which concerns and worries us. Can I encourage you, each and every day, take the time to look around at what God is doing around you. Take the time to thank him for all he does, for the goodness that he provides for you. And I mean in all things. We need to form this habit of acknowledging God's hands and purposes around us. And it's not without reason. 
I was challenged recently about um, when I say grace before meals and you've, many of you have been to our house and you've heard me say grace and things like that. But I was challenged recently by God. It's like, are you really thankful when you say that? Or are you just doing this because that's what you do? And I've got to be honest, I've changed the way I say grace. And uh, I'm abundantly blessed. I've got a wife who can cook very, very well. And, and me and the kids, we really love lasagna. It'll be one of our favorite meals. And I've got to be honest, now when I pray, it's like, oh God, I thank you so much for lasagna. Me and the kids just love lasagna, Lord. And we're so privileged to be able to have lasagna tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that you can do that for us. And, and the quality of the food that we have is just so incredible compared to what some people have throughout the world. And, and I just sit there and I think about what's before me. It's like, how blessed am I to be able to have this meal? And I become truly thankful for what God has done and for the provision of that meal in front of me and giving me a wife who can cook so well. And, and I thank him. And when we get into that habit of looking around, when we get into that habit of being thankful, because I got this car and you guys have heard me rave about my car. I love my car. And it's just such an awesome car. Don't hear me wrong. If I had to give it up tomorrow, I would. Please pray God doesn't ask me to do that. But I love my car. It's like, oh Lord, I just thank you so much that I have the privilege of owning this car. It's such an awesome car. And I think when we, we get into the habit of thanking God for everything around us, you know, we, we just constantly thank him over and over again. Then when the troubles come our way, it becomes a natural response to go to God as well. When the anxiety begins to rise up in us, instead of it being something like, what am I going to do with this? It's like, God, I, I suddenly don't feel as joyful as I was about my car, about the food that I'm eating. Lord, what is going on here? Please show me the thing that is concerning me and allow me to lay that at your feet. Allow me to give that to you. Allow me to honour you in this, Lord, so that you're the first place to come to. His hand is constantly moving in, through and around us, and it's constant even in the deep, dark, difficult times. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He comes alongside, he encourages, equips and strengthens us, even in those difficult times. And we need to form that habit where he is our first port of call. In our joy, when we're celebrating, let's thank God. I know many of you are going to go through exams soon. When you triumph over those things, thank God. How good is that? If you think you didn't do so well, come to God again. It's like, Lord, I don't know what happened with that exam, but I'm just going to leave it at your feet. I can't change it now, Lord. I'm not going to be worried about it. Your will, your purposes be done. If I didn't study hard enough, Lord, just reveal that to me and help me to do better next time. I want to honor and glorify you, Lord, even in my studies. Let me do that. Man, did I pray that prayer a lot when I was going to uni. But we need to form that habit. God's got to be the port of call in each and every situation. And my desire as, as a spiritual leader in this church is that when we suffer as a community of people, we will be here because we want to gather together and we want to cry out to our God together. That's where we need to be. That's how we need to respond. It's not something that comes naturally. It's a learned behaviour. It's a discipline. It's something we have to be determined to do. And we have to do it in honour and glory of our Heavenly Father. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry. Can I encourage you tonight, whether it's before you leave or when you get home, can I encourage you? I did this exercise with our youth group and... Uh, I just want you guys to do it too. If you've got post-it notes, that's fantastic. If you don't, just get a heap of paper and just sit down 
and think about the things that you're worried about, the things that you're anxious about, and just write them on that piece of paper. Think about the relationships that you're struggling with. If there's anything that's going on in your relationships, just write that down. Think about the finances that you need for whatever purposes, and if that's a concern for you, please write that down. Think about those who are suffering within your family unit. It could be a health issue, it could be a mental issue, it could be a number of other things. Just write that down. Don't think about it, just write it down. The things that are worrying you. If you're worried about exams, young people, if there's ones that are coming up that you're really stressed about, write it down. And when you've scribbled out all those things, I mean, some of these young people, they went through heaps of post-it notes. They didn't know what we were going to do, but once they'd written those things, I then got them to go back. And I said, I want you you to go through this list one by one, and I want you to give that to God. And, like, it's a weird thing, especially to ask our young people to do. And and some of these things, you know, we don't know how to give God, but as we read that, it's like, Lord, I I don't know why my best friend's not talking to me anymore, but, uh, Lord, I... I've been worried about that, and I just want to give that to you. Will you just reveal what's going on there? I I don't know how to fix it, Lord, but you do. Can I just give that to you, Father? Lord, I've got this exam coming up tomorrow. I feel ill-prepared. Oh, Lord, just, I've studied. I just can't remember this stuff. Can you bring the stuff to mind that I need in order to pass this exam? I want to honour you, even in how I study, Lord. Father, this relationship is broken. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to restore it, but Lord... I want, to, I want to give it to you. And just slowly peel those things off, one by one, having given them to the Lord. And trust that he's going to take that anxiety and worry from you. He's going to reveal to you his purposes and plans in the midst of that. He will guide you. He will strengthen you in faith. He will build you up. If you need help with that, if you want me to pray for you, Please, I love praying for people. Come down the front after the service tonight. Perhaps you're sitting near someone you trust dearly. Feel free to share some of those anxieties with them. How awesome is it when you are stressed and worried sitting here to be able to say to someone, I've got an exam tomorrow, can you just pray for me? Don't expect me to pray and ask you to pass if you haven't studied. It's not going to happen. I'll pray the Lord rewards you for what you've done. But I will pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for challenging me first and foremost, Lord, to not be anxious, to not be worried about things. And Lord, just to submit those things to you. And Lord, I just pray for us as a people that we'll be a people who share each other's burdens. But Lord, more than that, that we'll be a people who come to you constantly in our everyday lives, Lord, that we'll come to you when we're joyful, that we'll come to you when we're anxious, we'll come to you when we're celebrating, Lord, we'll come to you when we're grieving that you will be our first response, Lord, that we will just want to share with you what we're going through and that we will know that love that you as our Heavenly Father pour out upon us and the provision that you will provide. Just everything we possibly need, Lord, you're so willing to give it for us so we can fulfill your will and purpose for us. Father, I submit afresh to you today. Use me this week for your glory and purposes. And I pray that for each person here, Lord. May they have a desire for you to use them in such a way this week as well. We are your people and we want to honour and glorify you in all things. Make it so in me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.